0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. My name is Will Hunter. It is Tuesday, April 16th, 2019. I did that backwards. I think that's the first time I've ever done that, where I usually do the date, then my name switched it. Excuse me. Um, Not that that really matters. Welcome to today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in, as always, on today's show uh, like I mentioned yesterday, we've got Stephen Brooks from 24-7 Sports to uh, talk about the Michigan State spring game. We'll have that coming up here in a little bit. I think Stephen does a really good job covering the team uh, and has some really solid insight uh, to questions that people are asking on both sides of the ball. So looking forward to you guys getting to hear that. But uh, for the first segment here, we're going to talk a little bit of basketball, some off-season news. Uh, Sam and Joey Hauser, you may have heard from Marquette, uh, two really good basketball players. Brothers are transferring from Marquette. There have been three teams listed uh, as schools that are sort of the front runners, the places they want to go, the places that have interest. Uh, Virginia, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. So we are going to talk about the potential of that, who these guys are as players, and just how realistic it might be for Michigan State to uh, be able to land them as transfers. So that's what we're going to do here for the first segment, then spring football for segments two and three. Reminder, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. It's the easiest way to get the show every single day, right to your phone when it drops in the morning. And if you haven't Head on over to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. That stuff helps a lot, and I appreciate it. All right, let's uh, <clears throat> let's talk about these Hauser brothers. Okay, so Sam and Joey Hauser, uh, Marquette second and third best players, and really, you know, depending on efficiency and things like that, you can make an argument um, that they might even be better than Marcus Howard in some ways. Uh, You know, two really good basketball players, regardless. Two guys that were going to be centerpieces for what many people thought was going to be a top 10 ish uh, Marquette team, top 15, top 10 Marquette team uh, with a really high upside. You know, Marcus Howard, their leading scorer is returning. And then with those guys coming back, you know, uh, Marquette had a really good team looking uh, into next year. Now, Sam and Joey Hauser have announced they are transferring. Sam uh, is a, I believe a red shirt, but he's a junior. Uh, Joey is a red shirt freshman. So uh, under normal transfer rules, they'll sit out a season both of them. Sam will have one year of eligibility left starting uh, the 2020 2021 season and then Joey will have two uh, seasons of eligibility left to play in college basketball. So that's sort of what we're looking at here, Sam 68225, Joeys 69230. Both kind of stretch four type guys, really good players. Um, you know, Sam shoots 40% from three, Joey shoots 42.5% from three on uh, six and a half and three attempts per game, respectively. So good volume there. Uh Sam's a 92 percent free throw shooter, Joey's an eight percent free throw shooter, Sam grabs seven rebounds, Joey grabs five, they both get two and a half assists, uh half a steal, half a block type stuff per game. So <clears throat> Really good rangy players, uh, like I said, six eight and six nine stretch forward types who are versatile scorers uh, and just you know are all around good basketball players. Put up really good numbers for uh, what was a pretty solid Marquette team this year until they got hammered in the tournament by Murray State. But whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of insight right now as to why they're transferring. Some people have thought that it is because Marcus Howard is returning for his senior season. And Marcus Howard, let's see, takes um, 18 shots per game. Sam is second on the team with uh, nine shots per game. So some people have thought actually, yeah, no, 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 10, 11 shots per game. Excuse me. Some people have thought that Marcus Howard's volume and just the way he plays, uh, that the Hauser brothers are better basketball players and aren't happy with their roles on the team. They want to be the guys taking more shots. They want to play more team-oriented basketball than just, you know, revolving around a single volume shooter who is, you know, um, efficient in some ways, but is also uh, inefficient and sometimes relies on volume to be able to score and doesn't do much in the way of passing. You know, Howard's their their point guard uh, and he averages 3.9 assists per game. So that is kind of a speculation as to why they're transferring. Now, where they want to go has been pretty well reported according to sources close to them. Uh, it's Virginia, Wisconsin, and Michigan State are the three teams that you keep seeing pop up. And... Uh, as it stands right now, um, you know I don't. Th- I think honestly the most likely scenario is Wisconsin. These two guys are from Wisconsin, uh, and Wisconsin is the only team right now that has room. Virginia is actually um, over the limit on scholarships for next season. But Ty Jerome, uh, their sort of combo point guard-y type guy. Uh, who you may have seen play in the tournament, has declared for the NBA draft and signed with an agent, but we know that doesn't mean anything until the deadline passes. So uh, in order for Virginia to actually reach and get under their scholarship limit to have the correct amount of scholarship players, uh, according to guys who have committed to the team, uh, Ty Jerome needs to stay in the NBA draft. And then even after that, Virginia would have to make two more spots through transfers or not renewing a scholarship in order to make room for these guys. Um, And really, you know, I don't know Tony Bennett, obviously. I I don't know much about the program. Um, If it was John Calipari at Kentucky, I could probably see a way for two kids to be finagled out of scholarships. Um, But I'm not sure how Virginia operates And that sort of sphere does it. I don't get that vibe from that program. You got to remember, too, these guys are uh, on one year scholarships every year. Um, Right, guys transfer as well. But, uh, you know, scholarships when you sign a national letter of intent, you don't get a four year scholarship, you get one year scholarships that the coaches decide who to renew every single year. And so it happens a lot, lot in football, especially in the SEC. Uh, You'll see SEC classes sign. Uh, our sec schools signed 28 kids in a recruiting class if you do the math that's too many kids uh, some of them will gray shirt which is you don't get a scholarship right away but your intent is to be put on scholarship the next year and if you're not good enough by then you don't get your scholarship and you have to transfer out or stay as a preferred walk-on and never play that's what happens uh in sec football you can do it easier with bigger numbers Um, What happens in basketball, a lot is just scholarships don't get renewed. Kids get told like, hey, uh, your time here is done. It happens in football too. Michigan State, uh, I forget who it was, but they had a redshirt junior who had graduated and wasn't going to play as a senior. Uh, They did have him out on senior days and he didn't get his fifth year of eligibility scholarship uh, and he was moving on with the rest of his life. It happens uh, in college sports all the time. Uh, As for Michigan State right now, uh, they are at their full allotment pending the signing of Rocket Watts, who is scheduled to sign here in in a couple of days. So with that, uh, Michigan State is completely full up on scholarships. Now, Nick Ward is someone who could open up a scholarship spot depending on his NBA decision. As we've talked about before, it's kind of 50-50 right now, right? With Ward, whether he stays, whether he goes, I would expect we'll hear soon. Uh, That he is going to declare, uh, sign with an agent, and go through the process. And again, we won't know for another month, uh, another six weeks, really, whether uh, Nick Ward is actually indeed staying in the draft. Um, You know, maybe he knows for sure that he's going to declare, and regardless of his feedback, he's going to go. And we'll see some sort of release, like some like Zion Williamson, and you know, different guys, even guys who are more like mid to late first round guys, have declared for the draft and sent out an Instagram note or a Photoshop with a a letter, things like that, just saying, you know, thank you for the the two years here at at the school. It's been the two best years of my life. I'm looking forward to getting my pro career started. And so maybe we get something like that with Nick Ward where we have an indication that, yes, he is turning pro. But we just don't know uh, at this point. So uh, if Ward leaves, that frees up one scholarship spot. The problem is the Hauser brothers are going together. That has also been reported. That wherever they go, there needs to be two open spots. And so even though they're sitting out a year, um, they're still going to have to go to school. They, they have to like f- sit out the year. They have to redshirt the year as transfers. They can't just like be on the team and not going to school, not being eligible. And so uh, I think it's probably a stretch that they're going to go to school at Michigan State for a year, not on scholarship and to have to pay tuition and all that stuff. Um, I don't know if getting one scholarship for the between the two brothers, it is you know the same family paying the bills, so half off for one year at Michigan State is that enough to get them to come here? I'm not sure. I don't know the situation, uh, and still you know we don't know about transfers or anything like that. I wouldn't expect it. Um, I wouldn't expect. I, I highly, highly doubt. I there's a zero percent chance that Tom Izzo would call up Rocket Watts and say, "Hey, thanks, but no thanks." Um, don't sign on April 17th. We're not sending the letter. We're taking these these transfers instead. I highly doubt that. I think the most likely scenario for Michigan State, should Nick Ward go and a scholarship spot does open up, is that um, maybe they hunt through the transfer portal for a single player uh, or perhaps uh, a walk-on gets rewarded for a scholarship for one season. Connor George was on scholarship two years ago, went off last year, um, and so you know that sort of stuff can happen as well. So, in order for Michigan State really to make room, they got to lose two scholarship players for next year. Right now, they've got one guy who's not uh, signed the letter of intent. There's no chance that he doesn't uh, receive that. Rocket Watts will win 100% be on campus next year, playing for Michigan State on scholarship. The other options are transfers, and there's just really no indication of that. Some uh, chatter about Foster Lawyer was popping up in the early part of the Big Ten season, but that seems to have died down. The coaches uh, have talked about how they don't expect Lawyer to transfer, so I wouldn't bank on that. I don't think that's really going to be happening. And then, again, you would even need, in addition to a transfer, Nick Ward to declare for the NBA draft and go to even have room for these guys. And, you know, so Michigan State doesn't just have room. Uh, They're not the type of program to just sort of bail on people, Unless there's a reason to bail and and you know stuff happens behind the scenes that we don't know about you hear whispers about things about someone's personality not jiving with the staff or someone being unhappy about playing time someone um, maybe not quite keeping up with their schoolwork or getting in trouble too much things like that happen but. Um, I wouldn't expect any of that sort of stuff to happen this summer. You never know, but I'm not holding my breath that Michigan State is going to be in the running uh, for these guys. But again, it's big-time college basketball. Uh, we don't really know what could happen, uh, and they may want to come to Michigan State so bad that they're willing to kind of make a sacrifice financially. Uh, you just don't know, but I wouldn't expect it. I would put the odds, uh, the percent chance that Michigan State gets them at like 2.5%. Um, because it feels silly to put it at zero, but I'm not comfortable going any higher than that. And really, I think Wisconsin is a solid fit for them. Um, they will be really good players there. They play in a system where, you know, it's not one guy jacking all the shots. There's a lot of passing and team basketball and things like that. They're from Wisconsin and Wisconsin has room. Uh, and that might be the most important thing that Wisconsin has room to fit. These guys And Michigan State and Virginia just don't have that kind of room. So, uh, again, not expecting to land these guys. We'll see how scholarships play out down the road. But as of right now, Michigan State is full up. And I don't foresee anything that is going to change that unless we start getting some breaking news here. Or different stories start coming out. All right, that is it for segment one. When we get back, Uh, We'll talk with Stephen Brooks from 247sports.com about that wonderful spring game that I'm sure we all took in and really thoroughly enjoyed. You can get Locked On Spartans on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Spartans. All right, welcome back to Locked On Spartans. We are joined now by Stephen Brooks from 247.com, Michigan State football reporter. Stephen, how's it going? Thanks for joining the show.
1: Yeah, I'm doing all right. Things are kind of sort of finally slowing down here, so
0: thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Um, So we had the spring game Saturday, uh, offense versus defense, green and white scrimmage. Defense comes out on top. Not a big surprise there. Uh, What were some of your big takeaways to start uh, just maybe a couple of things here from that matchup.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that um, I've been asked this a couple of times and uh, it's gotta be Brian Lewerke for me just because, I mean, as much as there were injuries across the board last year, his was probably the most important one. And as much as there's room for improvement at a lot of spots on offense, quarterback is probably the most important one right there. I guess maybe you could you could definitely argue offensive line, I guess as well, but, um You know for them to get anywhere where they want to go, they have to have a, a confident quarterback and healthy Brian Lewerke has still proven to be the best quarterback on their roster, and he looked healthy he looked pretty confident um his passes were in, were really just the velocity is what stood out to me because whenever we saw him during that second half of the season last year it, it was it was really a noticeable difference just on the the strength of his passes um the accuracy obviously fell off on top of that, but uh he's got to be the number one um Anthony Williams, I thought, was impressive running the ball. Uh, showed he can catch it, too. I think he's going to be a real factor in the running back rotation uh, this year. And then um, Daryl Stewart, you know, had a big game. Uh, looks like he's going to be ready for for the bigger role that's coming his way. Uh, I really liked what Nick Samak did as a second-string left tackle. Uh, I don't know how much you want to get into second-string offensive line play, but he, he really impressed me as a true freshman. And then uh, Chase Klein uh, running around making yeah. all kinds of plays on defense was a, was a highlight, too.
0: Yeah, Klein seems like he might be next in line for that sort of Joe type role. We'll see, obviously, how that shakes out down the road. Just good depth. Now, uh, back to Lewerke real quick. So uh, I saw the same thing you did. Uh, the velocity seemed back. The accuracy was much better. Um, I-, I thought, you know, Lombardi, uh, his throwing motion looks a little bit better. He saw uh, one of those QB whispers over the offseason. I thought his throwing motion looked a little bit tighter, more compact. We saw a little bit of Theo Day, too. Uh, but just for people who maybe didn't see it, how big is the gap between Brian Lewerke and the rest of the guys when Lewerke
1: is 100% healthy? Yeah, I think it's a full it – it's a whatever unit you want to call it, it's it's a full unit, I'd say. Um, however you want to measure you know, a, a full head and shoulders or whatever, a full yeah, – Lewerke's an A, <laughs> they B. C, yeah, a yeah. full grade, yeah, however you want to measure it. That's what I would say. Um, you know, the, everybody sort of caught Rocky fever last year, and, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's a likable guy and all that. But uh, I kept saying, you know, was still the best quarterback play from anybody on this roster has come from healthy Brian Lewerke. That was a long time ago, but I still think he is that guy. And, uh, yeah, Rocky, to me, um, good. you know, still a solid future ahead, but I think he's pretty clearly behind a healthy Lewerke right now.
0: Yeah. Did you see any noticeable differences? I know Michigan State kept it really vanilla um, in terms of changes schematically and, and things like that. Did you notice anything? Uh, different than what we have seen from Michigan State in years past, with Brad Salem now taking over as offensive coordinator.
1: I felt like I saw a lot more uh, zone-based running game mm-hmm. stuff, um, and yeah. maybe that you know, because that's just really easy to call out of a lot of different formations, and it, you know, it's, it's it's been part of their offense. So maybe that just was because they wanted to keep things uh, pretty basic, or maybe that's going to be a bigger part of of their scheme moving forward because they were so reliant on on power last year. That was really their main thing. So I think that could be a plus uh, if they can get that nailed down. And then the tight ends, the way they use their tight ends was interesting. I thought the formations they had them in, the personnel, um, the motioning and whatnot, but uh, that, that's a position that obviously could use an upgrade. And I think that that's obviously been something that they've looked at as well. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, in the backfield, you mentioned Anthony Williams, Jr. We had an explosive play from Connor Hayward, the Darius Jefferson uh, will probably improve given that he was new to the running back position. What does that backfield look like right now? And what are some of the things, uh, if someone hasn't seen Anthony Williams Jr. play yet, that he brings to the table?
1: Yeah, so that w- when he got recruited uh, and signed and all that, Mark Antonio kind of uh, explained, uh, kind of compared to RJ Shelton in terms of just his ability to do things beyond the, the straight handoff give. Um, he can catch it pretty well he, he's really good in space as we saw he had a great spin move on saturday um so i think he's probably the best open field guy they have right now Ask rocky lombardi about him because they work together a lot more on that second offense and uh he said he's he's really um he probably runs their perimeter run game better than anybody they have just because of his burst uh hey sort of the same guy that you've seen and uh jefferson i think um sort of looked a, a lot like he did last year too a little bit more comfortable maybe running the ball but I still really like where his uh, future is. I like his potential. I I know he isn't to the position, but um, I think he's got everything there to be able to put it together and be a really good back. So I wouldn't count him out in any kind of way.
0: And last thing on the offense here, and then we'll switch sides of the ball real quick. Uh, The receivers, uh, you know, Felton Davis is gone. Uh, Cody White uh, is back fully recovered from a broken hand. You know, it was a group that really had a ton of injuries last year and got way down on the depth chart. Uh, what are we expecting from this unit? I know Daryl Stewart had a big day and looked really good. Uh, is he ready for a big role? Is, is Speedy Naylor ready to take another step? Is Cody White re- re- ready to take another step? What are we expecting uh, from this receiver core? Because I think it might end up being the strength of this
1: offense. Yeah, yeah. Then you get into, you know, how many, how many is, what's the right number of touches for each of these guys to get? Because I think they're top three, much like last year. or You can roll through those three guys out there, White, Naylor, and Stewart. And, that's going to be as good as just about anybody can throw out there. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, you know, it starts to become a little bit of a question. Um, that's when you really want to see some guys make some steps. Uh, Larice Nelson's been a guy that's sort of been on that fringe for a little bit. Um, hearing some good things about C.J. Hayes is a guy we haven't seen much of. Mm-hmm. So And Trey Mosley, the the true freshman who came in, I think he'll be. Um, I think he, 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 he can see the field this year. But uh, with those three, yeah, it's, it's, that's as good as it gets. And I think uh, Naylor specifically is, has sort of rounded out his game. He's put on some weight. We, we saw him make some really tough catches, um, which we didn't see as much last year. Just contested tough catches with guys right up on him versus yeah. um, a real easy reception that he, that he kind of had schemed open.
0: All right, we will be back with Stephen Brooks of 247sports.com right after this quick break. Remember to get the show every day, subscribe to Locked on Spartans in the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked on Spartans. Let's continue our conversation with Stephen Brooks of 247sports.com. Uh, on the other side of the ball defensively, what were the big things you think that, uh, you know, because the defense is established here, right? They didn't lose a ton. They lost some talent. And we'll talk about the guys they lost and who's stepping in. Uh, but their mission this offseason, this spring, is a little bit different uh, than the offenses, I think. Uh, and I think the coaches would tell you that too. What are they trying to accomplish defensively on that side of the ball right now?
1: Yeah, the phrase is twenty-two developing 22 starters that they keep uh, – Using and uh, it makes sense. I mean, and uh, I think it was on the TV broadcast. Maybe uh, somebody said it recently. I want to say it was Joe Bocci on TV. um That basically it's been the same guys playing this defense since 2017. And mm-hmm. and that's something I asked about uh, early on. Was just how they approach it with so many veterans. um So yeah, I think uh Chase Clayman's guy we mentioned the stand out. Um, D'Antonio had really high praise for the for the two backup corners, Shakur Brown and uh, and Kaylin Gervin. And I thought Gervin especially had a really nice game. Um, when you're looking at people to step in, Antoine Simmons is supposed to move up and and take the spot where Andrew Dowell had and, uh, Xavier Henderson's obviously sliding into that safety spot. And Josh Butler is going to be playing corner opposite of, uh, Josiah Scott. And I think he's going to be really, really good. I think he kind of had a, uh, really quietly good year last year before he Mm -hmm. got hurt and all that. So the starters, I think, uh, there's really not much concern at all. I think you're looking at, you know, matching or exceeding last year's production. Um, and then, yeah, so that being said, all those guys that have all that experience are going to be leaving pretty soon. So it's about getting those next-level guys ready. Um, we saw some in linebacker, saw some in the backfield. Uh, defensive line, I think, probably is still the next area where they really need to grow some of that depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the defensive backfield, the back four, so you're replacing
0: Justin Lane, you're re- replacing Kari Willis. There are certainly guys back there who have played time before but are going to be thrust into bigger roles um you know how many guys are really competing for those two spots right now is it you know butler and henderson uh kind of running away with it you know what can people expect in that back end uh which seems to be just a really talented group of players there seems like there's seven or eight guys who could start for them or and you know start from pretty much any team in the big 10 next year
1: yeah yeah absolutely and that's kind of what they've they've had a little bit going on lately which has really been a luxury for the program um because, yeah, I think Kalen Gervin and then Shakur Brown are probably pushing for starting jobs at a lot of places. Um, it's just that Josiah Scott is so good. He's out there, like, uh, it's like he's playing on a different level of Madden than everybody else on the field <laughs> almost, cause he just comes back, you know, out of nowhere, freshman out of nowhere, boom, he's an All-American, you know, hurt, comes back, uh, you know, trying to get back into the rhythm, boom, he's, he's right back where he was, maybe even better, and, um, he just keeps building. like there's, uh, So it's exciting to see where he could go. And, again, yeah, I think Josh Butler is going to be really, really good on that other side. He's a fifth-year guy, hasn't gotten a ton of opportunity throughout his career. So, I mean, you might kind of wonder why that hasn't happened. But um, I thought what we saw from him last year was really good. So even though I thought Justin Lane had a great season, I don't know if he will really see any drop off at corner. At safety, I think that is a little concerning. Xavier Henderson's a good player, um, got a lot of natural talent and everything, but I think he's still trying to figure things out. That's such a field position. Mm-hmm. in this defense and it really helps to have experience there which they have had for quite a while so um but i think that he's clearly the guy that's that's uh going to be starting there i don't think there's much competition there right now for that actual role but um it, they're just really looking for him to get better in that spot mm-hmm. uh up front
0: there were some guys out uh kenny didn't play jack camper didn't play uh up front on the edge um Who are some guys that we might see, whether it's an improved player from last year, or new face, some guys that could be making plays uh, to sort of bolster the depth of that front uh, four? Because we know who the starters are. We know who's going to be the impact players, but who is someone who could take a step, be a better player, a a new depth guy or someone who can come in, you know, pass rush specialist type guy uh, that maybe showed something in the spring game?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, well, just, it's not going to be flashy. I don't think it'll ever be that way. But, uh, Jacob Tanashuk, I thought, had a nice game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if him and Camper combined can sort of give you that starting quality guy, if they, if they're going to take 50% uh, of the reps uh, on the other other side of Kenny Willikas, then I think you've got a decent, uh, solution there. You know, if you can sort of have two fill the role of one. Um, other than that, uh, Zach Slade, uh, sort of, you know, he made some big plays, had a fumble, um, and a, uh, interception on a screen pass that he read. And uh, so he still looks a little small, but um, looks like he's got the motor and some instincts to to be good at that position long term. Um, so de- defensive end, I think, is, is looking better than tackle. Um, other than those top three, uh, with with Naquan Jones being in that group, uh, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of developed talent there, not a lot of experience. Um, so that's something that they need to address in recruiting. But uh, there are guys that uh, that they're still waiting to see uh, sort of make a move here too uh, that are already already on the roster.
0: Mm -hmm. and uh last thing here just your general impressions your general takeaways where's this team at um what do they need to get better at and like you know where's the talent level at what kind of team
1: is this as we uh exit spring ball here yeah i mean i'm trying to not uh i don't don't know if it's fallen into the trap because i mean i picked them to go 11 and one last year i thought i thought really highly of the talent that they had and and i still think really highly of a lot of these guys i think when lewerke is good and healthy, you know, and his mind's in it and everything. He's, he's one of the best QBs in the Big Ten. Um, I think those receivers are all individually really good, talented guys. I think the defense could be top ten in the country, you know, as a baseline. So when you put all that together, it feels like there's still a lot here, even though last year was so frustrating and so depressing. Um, what I've been telling people a lot is, you know, the offense doesn't have to make a huge magical leap from the 100s into the top 40 for this team to look much, much better. If they just go, Mm -hmm. if they just make a snail's pace forward and get up to the the 80s, you're probably looking at a 10-win season. And if you can get into the 60s or 70s or above, then you're really talking about some big things. So it's not going to take a quantum leap forward for this offense for the whole team to look like a much better team at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I like to remind people the team that, uh, the 2013 team, ended up, I think, 62nd or 72nd or something like that. in uh, in S&P plus offense efficiency. Granted, they were better at the end of the year, but that was a team that on offense uh, ended up being just kind of an average offense with an absolutely elite defense, and I think that's certainly uh, possible for this group.
1: Yeah, I think you've got a lot of that hunger factor that that led to the 2017 season. Um, You've got a lot of veterans that are mad about what happened last year, a lot of talented guys that have played a lot of football. Whenever you have that, there's always the possibility for something good to happen.
0: For sure. All right. He is Stephen Brooks, 24-7 sports. You can read his stuff at 247sports.com. Stephen M underscore Brooks on Twitter. Uh, always great to have you drop in and, and talk some football and we will for sure catch up with you down the road, Stephen. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thank you. we appreciate it. All right. That is going to be it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Spartans. Reminder, no show tomorrow, no show Wednesday. Got a funeral that I'm going to be traveling for, unfortunately, but we will be back Thursday with another episode of Locked on Spartans. That's going to be a mailbag. Um, Send in questions at will underscore underscore hunter, 1L2 underscores at on Spartans. Email them locked on Spartans at gmail.com or call in a voicemail 810 666 1031. Taking your questions, whether they're Michigan State related. Uh, not Michigan State related, whatever, whatever question you want to ask, throw it my way. Uh, we're going to have to find some ways to to kill some time here in these podcasts to have a little bit of fun, do something a little bit different here in the offseason. So that's what we're going to do for Thursday. So go on and send in some questions. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back Thursday with that new episode of Lockdown Spartans. Until then, go green.